0: Look, I'm telling you, there's something moving and it ain't us.
1: Captain, Captain, signatures detected. Shields up.
0: Signatures detected. Context
2: Starfleet command. What's happening? C- context Starfleet command.
1: Delay that order.
2: Context Starfleet command. This is the captain.
1: A- context Starfleet command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged
2: the Klingons. Klingons. Klingons.
3: Welcome to the greatest discovery, it's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the greatest generation. I'm Adam Pranica.
0: I'm Ben Harrison. Adam, you are in tech support jail, and regular jail.
3: Yeah, it's a frequent theme across all of our shows. It's, uh, how am I made to suffer on this day?
0: <laughs> what new slings and arrows has the universe decided to throw it at him?
3: I got the great satisfaction of unplugging my computer and throwing it across the room onto the couch.
0: Yeah, that's fun. I don't know if
3: you can see it, but it's back there
0: where I threw it. You're gonna have to angle the uh, screen down. Hey, wow, yeah, that's that's a tossed computer. <laughs> yeah,
3: got it tossed over there, uh, tossed some peripherals over there. It's useless.
0: Yeah, you're not gonna need that thing. Nope. Man.
3: <laughs> a drill is too good for it. I can just fucking break it over my knee and throw it in the trash.
0: Money, little fucker. Let's go. But aren't you getting like a pretty good return rate from that like computer recycling company?
3: I am, but as a degenerate gambler, I really have no respect or idea about the worth of money. So like, it would be <laughs> fucking worth it to me to piss on it and throw it in the street.
0: Mm-hmm. We need to do like an Office Space slow mo montage of its destruction. I find it curious that humans place. <laughs> Emotions on inanimate objects
3: <laughs> Does it work this way in your house where everything just gets obsolete at the same time? like shit's just going down across the board for me? Man. My toilet, my remote <laughs> controls, my yeah. my TV in my bedroom. Yeah, you've been having TV problems. It's just all of it. It's all yeah. of it all at once. It's everything everywhere all at once.
1: A bagel.
0: (laughs) There's a multiverse in which Adam has all the technology stuff completely running smoothly.
3: I would go there in a heartbeat, Ben. I would leave you and this and all of it behind in a second to go to that one.
0: Wow. Wow. Um...
3: (laughs) But, I mean, I say that hoping that you would be there to greet me in that other multiverse, right?
0: In that multiverse, I'm the one that's having my computer rage at me.
3: Oh, see, like, now you're tapping into my martyr complex. I couldn't allow that. I'd I'd have to eat all this shit myself. (laughs) I couldn't have you do it.
0: Mm, Yeah. Whenever we do feats of strength on tour, Adam insists on eating the entire plate of shit by himself. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Be it shit or crow or Miriam other emotional food products.
0: I don't know if this means anything, but uh, we both have replacement computers coming because we're both... uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, on machines that are not quite up to the challenge of the job that we have.
3: You've got a pre-thrown machine, though.
0: Yeah. Mine mine remains unthrown.
3: Do you need me to come over and throw it? Because I will, Ben. I fucking will.
0: Are you proposing some kind of Game of Thrones?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you've seen me throw things off of your stage. I would like nothing more than to throw more things off of your stage.
0: (laughs) Man, if we live stream it, then we can uh, call it a tax write-off. And then the monetary downsides of destroying these computers don't accrue to us. That's right. They accrue to the taxpayer. Hmm. Yeah. Where it belongs. What I was going to say, though, Adam, is we each ordered a computer. I think we ordered identical computers. Mm Mm-hmm. I saw a charge show up on my credit card for I think the computer today and I don't know if that means it shipped or if they just charged it and they're going to ship it in a month Like, because my estimated date of arrival has not updated but uh, I don't know why they would charge me otherwise. But anyway. remember
3: what it was like to like Buy concert tickets and you refresh the screen at the yeah. time. You're like refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. Like, when can I get in there?
0: I mean, I would never buy tickets to a concert, but I, uh, yeah. I've heard tell of this.
3: I'm doing that with our computers. I'm doing it all <laughs> the time. I'm refreshing that screen and it's still telling me that they're going to be here in a month.
0: What I'm saying, Adam, is that since I'm, I remain unthrown... Mm-hmm. I uh, you've dethroned me. <laughs> I've never seen Game of Thrones. Do I need to have seen it to understand where this is going? No, you don't need to watch that garbage. Okay. Uh, but if, if one shows up and it shows up to my house, I'm driving it directly over to you because uh, I don't like seeing that face down fallen soldier, that uh, <laughs> that defeated samurai on your couch over there. I didn't know that a computer could have its bangs fall across its face like that. I didn't know my
3: computer was growing hair until I saw the back of it. And look at that thing.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's a furry pelt. It must have been listening to uh, advertisements on podcasts for hair regrow pill websites.
3: Oh, yeah. I've been cramming its holes full of Roman. (laughs)
0: Maybe that's why it's not working so great. You think that's what it is? You know, just a theory. Is
3: that why the smoke smells so weird coming out of it? (laughs) Is that why I'm so ragey all the time? (laughs) Could be. I've been freebasing Roman, Ben. Yeah, yeah. You're not
0: supposed to do that. Maybe one of the many reasons your wife chooses never to enter the room that you are in.
3: (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, man. We're on the second (laughs) week of sleeping in the office. Yeah. Another factor in, as I gesture around, this whole thing that's going on.
0: Are you sleeping better at, at least? Like, are you- are you? Yeah, I think I am. Hotel bed sleeping?
3: Yeah, I think I can say that. So there's some positive- that, There is some sunshine there, Ben. You're right. Yeah. That is on the plus side, I am sleeping better.
0: I want you to hold on to that and put all the other stuff out of your mind and just- Totally wrap your arms around, man, I am sleeping great right now.
3: All right, I can do it. I can do it. (laughs) There's one good thing. Yeah. Thank you, Ben.
0: Because listen, man, today's episode of Star Trek Strange New World is a fucking bummer. Yeah. And I I need you to be in a slightly less apocalyptic mood to go through it with me. (laughs) I'm ready to go through it with you, Ben. All right. It's not too bleak for me. All right. All right. All right, I'm in. It's season one, episode nine, All Those Who Wander.
3: We get in a Hura's log to start things off, and it really feels like it's her last ride.
0: It does. She has been shrunk down in uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kid style death ray, but mm-hmm. she's uh, on the table among bagels and fresh fruit and... <laughs> <laughs> Looks like there's some tomatoes there, maybe some locks with uh, cucumbers cut up on it. Just real little. If you're on this crew
3: and you don't like Pike's cooking, you're in real trouble. Ooh,
0: you're fucked. Yeah. Could
3: you imagine? Like, I wonder when we're going to get that storyline. Like the yeah. senior staff crew person who has been keeping it a secret all along that <laughs> that they do not like Pike's cooking and they are just choking it down.
0: Yeah. There's a small subsection of the population that has a genetic difference that makes cilantro taste terrible to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our friend Chris Bowman of the Let's Drink About It podcast, a member of this group, I have always wondered what it's like if you grow up in like Thailand or Mexico and you have the cilantro taste bad to me, Gene.
3: I mean, you're just hamburger person at that point.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're just like, I only like American food.
3: <laughs> I wonder to what extent that is less statistically probable in countries where the cilantro is abundant, you know?
0: Yeah, maybe it's less statistically probable that you're the kind of crew person that hates Pike's cooking if you get stationed on the flagship. Yeah.
3: Yeah, this is uh, it's a going away party of sorts. I love this. Like, Yeah. You ever go back when you worked in an office, you ever go to like someone's birthday party that was also like a shared occasion for something else (laughs) and you feel a little bit bad that the shine was shared? Like that's what this is because Cadet Gia and Uhura are there to be celebrated as departing cadets, but Ensign Duke is getting pipped to lieutenant in this very same party.
0: I know. Ensign Duke front and center. It does seem like maybe that should be a separate function, you know?
3: Gotta say, Ensign Duke as a name, great name.
0: It's a good name. I didn't like that uh, after Ensign Lance, they had another kind of throwaway Ensign character on the show, but he didn't look anything like uh, one of your favorite podcasters.
3: Let me tell you something, Ben. I am very glad that Ensign Lance (laughs) stayed far, far away from this episode (laughs) and this mission. Keep him safe. But wouldn't you like to see him get a promotion? I want to see him live. Live, damn it. <laughs> live to see the next episode, Ensign Lance. Mm, mm. He's too beautiful to die.
0: <laughs> yeah. This mission that they're on while they're having this celebration is uh, to drop some Vidian power cells off at a uh, space station K7. I was immediately really worried about the people of K7. Are they sick? Are their organs falling apart? Do they need to steal other people's? organs to make themselves stay alive
3: yeah a confusing piece of terminology here that (laughs) also had me shook
0: if i ever encounter you a kind again Ahura has a little conversation with ortegas she talks about uh you know parties not being really her thing i feel like ortegas is kind of just like you know (laughs) there's a required amount of fun that you're supposed to have at parties it's in the rule book for, for Starfleet. I mean,
3: Ortegas is doing a great thing here because she recognizes Ahura is alone and awkward. But also, like, Ahura needs a party buddy. Yeah. A party wingman or wingwoman or wing person. Like, it's what makes any party better for the socially anxious, you know?
0: Yeah, it's a big help to those of us in the socially anxious community and- uh,
3: Or just a great big gummy, her uh, like, turn away <laughs> from camera.
1: My assignment to Enterprise is over.
0: Throw that thing down the hatch. <laughs> Instead, she gets a uh, one-on-one with the captain, which I feel like is maybe more intense <laughs> than having a party buddy. It would be with your standard issue captain, but
3: Captain Dad is there to give maybe the ultimate- parental style safety net like look kiddo like uh we're gonna miss you tons when you go off to college or whatever but you can always come home is the message and that is a really nice thing to hear
0: yeah i did see cadet chia the other person that's been on rotations on the entrepreneur like looking at this from across the room with rage and jealousy in her eyes (laughs) god fucking damn it she can come back whenever she wants what am i chopped liver I've been doing the rotations. I made an impact. I'm Cadet Chia, goddammit. Yeah, I mean, I
3: don't remember any of Cadet Chia's exploits. uh, (laughs) And I was looking very closely to see if any would happen in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) And I think if you got to pick one, Pike chose the right one
0: to extend this courtesy to. They get word that there is a priority one message coming in from Starfleet. They're going to be changing missions mid-flight and Pike uh, clears out the party and wants everybody from his senior staff to join him in his quarters. Right. There's some pushback about La'an joining, though, because uh, La'an is on some kind of personal-slash-medical break.
2: It's with Dr. Sanchez again, head shrinker.
0: Right, but this is a mission
3: important enough to recall her from whatever that is, and when she arrives, the food has not been put away. Yeah. I mean, these brunch hours go... For what, like between four and six hours? Right. You can still get in there if you want.
0: Yeah. They knew she was coming, so they saved a plate. I love it when people save a plate. You're
2: going to want to try the omelet
3: and the bacon. And the waffle. The continuity of Mabanga loving waffles (laughs) is a thing that I just fucking love. (laughs) (laughs) It is almost the main thing about Mabanga.
0: Yeah. I got some frozen toaster waffles this weekend in honor of Mabanga.
3: How about that? I haven't had a toaster waffle in a long time, but I used to live off of those guys.
0: You know what my wife did, which I've never seen before? She took it out of the toaster, got cream cheese out of the fridge, and spread cream cheese into all of the, the waffle sockets. Into the hose? Into the hers, Or And then uh, the ate fuck? it unsweetened. She just ate it with, with cream cheese.
3: Do you write that off as a uh, a pregnant person's... No. Taste interest, or is that just what how she does it?
0: Neither of us had had a toaster waffle in each other's presence. Like that is how long it's been since either of us had a toaster waffle, and she's like, "This is how I always eat them."
3: Nice that a long term relationship can still surprise each other.
0: Yeah, this is how we keep it spicy. Going to the fucking grocery store and getting Eggo.
3: <laughs> Eggo won the waffle wars, didn't they? Do you remember like in my household we didn't eat Eggo. We got the red plastic bag of square waffles. Do you remember those?
0: Oh, I don't think I know about square waffles. And they
3: came in tiles basically, tiles of 4. Uh
0: huh. Oh, and you have to break it off.
3: You'd open up the bag, and it's like a bread bag, basically, with a little twist tie. You open them up, and you break off a couple, and you throw them in the in the toaster. And because they were square, I don't know. It felt feels like you got a little more waffle for your money there.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's better for shipping, for sure.
3: Yeah, you get some dry edges and some moist inners and. <laughs> Oh boy, you you just get the whole textural landscape there. Those are great waffles, but I don't think you can find them anymore. I think Eggo won. Then now Eggo's all you can get.
0: RSVP square waffle.
3: Yeah. yeah, I miss those square waffles. I would not put cream cheese on a waffle though. Yeah, Without syrup is what I'm saying. Extra syrup. I like cream cheese and jelly. You ever do that?
0: Whoa. I do that on a bagel. I didn't. I took a bite. I didn't dislike it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah? Yeah.
3: I like that on a bagel too. A
1: bagel.
0: Well, this meeting uh, is all about the kind of conundrum of this mission because these Vidian power cells are going to end of life if they go divert and go do something else. So that's one consideration. But the other consideration is there's this starship, the USS Peregrine, it crashed on an L-class planet, Vallejo Beta 5. I don't know why they couldn't have gone with Vallejo Epsilon 40 mm-hmm. in honor of Vallejo's native son, E-40, 40 Fonzarelli, greatest rapper alive. Just let me know when you want me to come back. <laughs> but they call it Beta 5, and they say that this is, I couldn't quite make it out. Was it a Sumber class ship? that they said it is? I mean, I heard somber,
3: and I don't know if I want to be assigned to a somber-class ship. (laughs) I want to be assigned to a brunch-class ship like Pike's here.
0: Yeah, yeah. It seems much more fun. Yeah.
3: Oh, my God, this is delicious. Told
0: you. But, yeah, it's it's built out of the same stuff as a Constitution-class, and it's very fast. But if they divert to go rescue this ship and its crew, the power cells will be junk, and that means that uh, Station K-7 will die because uh, they need these power cells to live.
2: Without them, the whole space station goes dark. Including life support.
3: Did you get the
0: sense that because
3: the somber class ship could slowly and sadly descend to a planet's surface whenever it wanted to, that the Connie could also do that? The entrepreneur class ship hmm. could also make landfall, if you will?
0: Yeah, what did they call that in, in Voyager? Blue alert when they go to... Yeah. Landing on a planet mode. Commander Tubok to all hands. Go to blue alert and report to code blue stations.
3: There's a color for every occasion. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, it got me curious.
0: Yeah. Would like to see if they ever give it a try. Let us down easy, Commander.
3: You know what else I'm curious about, Ben? They're serving bacon at brunch. Mm Mm-hmm. Did that bump you a little bit? You think that's real bacon? I think it's got to be real bacon.
0: I I might be shit bacon. It's pretty good for shit.
3: You know what that means. I don't think there are any Jewish people on the senior staff of The Entrepreneur.
0: What? Yikes. Now I'm against this show. Yikes. (laughs) Suki. Yeah, yeah. If we get to uh, interview anybody from the production staff of this, we're really going to take the wood to them. (laughs) A big wooden cross.
3: The plan is to split up. That's what they agree to in the room, right? Yeah. I advise we send a landing party.
2: Meanwhile,
3: Enterprise can continue on to deliver the video. This is Laan's idea. <laughs> well, is like, I'm going to take this show off. I'm taking Ortega's with me. And you're not going to see us again until the end because Pike gets everyone else. Like if they're choosing uh, dodgeball teams or whatever,
0: yeah. Pike gets everyone. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, number one is going to do the K7 mission. Could be its own episode for all we know. Yeah. I mean, I kind of love the idea of an Una and Ortega just have a great-ass time at Station K-7 episode.
2: Girls trip! Girls
0: trip! Pike's
3: sitting at the mission jukebox. He's like, k sail <laughs> <laughs> You just hit K-8. If you like king,
1: yeah,
0: come on.
3: And that's why she ends up cruising around that station to deliver batteries.
0: Yeah, that sucks. Pike immediately pivots into doing station wagon bits. I -hmm. started taking notes at this part of the episode. I feel like I'm going to need to know some station wagon bits. Oh, wow. uh, Just for my future. Uh Uh-huh. Chances are.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a shuttlecraft is really the family truckster of conveyances in Star Trek, right?
0: Yeah, it super is.
3: It's the people mover.
0: And they cut right to a pair of them, like transitioning from space to planet surface at a planet Vallejo Beta 5. Wow, what an experience this was.
3: Yeah, pretty rocky road down to the surface and a really great reveal. Like in the room you hear how similar the Peregrine is to the entrepreneur in design, but until you see the ship crashed on the surface. Yeah. Wow, pretty breathtaking sight. This is,
0: I mean, we've talked about it all through this season just best in breed special effects. It just looks so cool. It's so exciting. Like the shuttles are like making really close passes at these craggy mm-hmm. snowy mountain peaks and their ability to do away missions where you see all of the like environmental stuff that's going on around them. And it doesn't just look like a Sears garden center or a bunch of foam rocks. It's fucking amazing.
3: New Star Trek really seems to be into Ice Planet. Yeah. Yeah as a location for away teams. And it made me think about how obvious that must be. Like most planets have got to be ice planets, right?
0: Yeah. They're either gas giants or ice planets.
3: Which means if you're landing on one, it's going to be an ice planet most of the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like it.
3: I do too. This place is cold and dark and Hammer loves it. (laughs) (laughs) He's not wearing stocking cap or gloves.
0: No. He loves this shit. He like pulls his shirt up over his head and starts winging it around uh, over it. He loves it. Reminds me of Andoria.
3: I mean, if Ortegas was there, she'd be peeping the bare midriff of Hammer. <laughs> walking through the icy wind.
2: Whatever tweaks your freak, pal.
0: Hey, if we ever get Podshop.biz back up and running, we should have a, an Ortegas-themed midriff shirt. <laughs> Oh, yeah.
3: (laughs) That sounds like fun.
0: What would we call that? I mean, we'd have to call it the
3: Ortegas, right? Yeah. What else could it be? The Erica? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when I think of Erica, I'm thinking of uh, Red Dawn.
0: Yeah. Oh, man, is that what it is? It's a, it's a, it's our, our infamous Reton <laughs> Erica shirt. We're bringing it back as a midriff, but this, <laughs> but this Simon's Ortega's face. I have not worn
3: my Erica shirt since ex-producer Robs was caught with the Erica as his lock screen on his phone, and yeah, and a Lyft driver took great umbrage of seeing that.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. It's a going to sleep only kind yeah. of shirt. Yeah. Producer Emeritus Robs. It's like being in the Marines. Once you've been an Uxbridge Shimoda person, yeah. et cetera, et cetera.
3: He spilled some laughs in the same mud.
0: <laughs> so they walk up to this starship and they're not getting life signs per se. If you had to always call a person by
3: their correct rank and name... Mm -hmm. under penalty of drinking, I would be smashed (laughs) every day on Star Trek.
2: Starfleet tradition.
3: Yeah. Because Spock does that thing where he calls Duke Ensign instead of Lieutenant and he fucks around with the rank and he finds out.
0: It's unfair because he's in an away team outfit that doesn't have an obvious rank insignia on it. You
3: can't see the pips.
0: Yeah, that's all covered up right now by the leather jacket. You... (laughs) The jacket! (laughs) Covered it up by the jacket! (laughs) they do kind of look like a motorcycle gang like walking around in their black leather jackets they really do (laughs) with their fucking motorcycle goggles on I wonder how little of the sound they use for the walking
3: around because it's all squeaky and leathery (laughs) when they're in motion Yeah, (laughs) they're all looping this later (laughs) (laughs) give us the leather cut
0: man this is going to be a hike Geothermal anomalies have forced us to land several kilometers from the peregrine. This is worth This area is highly volatile. Man, that makes me wonder if the jackets are made out of something that just looks like leather on camera. Do you know how like grocery bags in movies are made out of vinyl? Like it's vinyl that looks like brown paper. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that it doesn't crinkle. Give me some of those vinyl bags. Yeah. That's what I want. I mean, a prop department shopping bag would be a very fun thing to have. Really would. But uh, yeah, so (laughs) that's my idea of fun. (laughs) La'on finds what I thought, I watched
3: this over and over again. I thought it was a severed arm. Is it a severed arm sticking out of the snow or is it a whole body that is like just showing arm?
0: I think it's a Vori that's turned face down and uh, (laughs) you only see their arm in front there. Keep your top low and your glimpse wide.
3: I thought I glimpsed just the arm.
0: Yeah, I think that that person just went into the hereafter.
3: Yeah, we get bloody arm to theme. (laughs) One of the rare, it's kind of a tone setter, isn't it? Like for the gore we haven't really gotten much of this season.
0: Absolutely is.
3: If you can't get with the arm, you need to get off the ride now.
0: Yeah, if that's upsetting to you, the rest (laughs) of the episode is really gonna fuck your shit up.
3: (laughs) Xenomorph
2: may be involved. Excuse me, sir. Uh, A what? A xenomorph.
3: After the theme, we're inside the Peregrine when the Dustbuster Club enters, and they are weapons out.
0: Yeah, and they discover that the crew of the Peregrine pursued a ship decoration theme of blood. It's everywhere. Right. Captain, there is more blood over here as well.
3: The ship is cold. It's dark. It's covered in blood. You know what that means.
0: The ship is fucked.
3: It's a tomb. (laughs)
0: All of the command controls have been sent to engineering, so it's a bit of a mystery also. like, Why would they do that? What was going on? What were they trying to accomplish? The
3: working hypothesis at this point is that the crew left the ship for some reason and got caught out in a storm and couldn't find their way back. But that doesn't really explain, and I'm gesturing wildly... All of the blood inside the ship. <laughs> Why did they leave the blood and then go out? <laughs> yeah. They will definitely know that we left the ship and got caught out by all of the blood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lon reports that there's lots of bodies out there. Yeah. And then, you know, Kirk and Cadet Chia and a, a few others discover even more bodies out there. there are just so many bodies. I really love the Bill Paxton
3: energy that Sam Kirk brings to uh, all of his scenes. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Now what the fuck are we supposed to do? We're some real pretty shit now, man.
3: I really dig his whole deal. Mm -hmm. He seems very different from everyone else. In personality.
0: The game does appear to be over, man. Yeah. And they get uh, Captain's log, final log left by the Captain. That's a
3: great point, Ben. You're going to need a Bill Paxton type of energy for an episode like this.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't get him, so you get Sam Kirk.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's Hudson, sir. I'm Hicks. <laughs>
0: The captain's log is pretty haunting here. It's like, hey, so uh, we accidentally sent that distress call. And if I could do it over, I would send a don't come and rescue us call.
3: This is low key. One of my favorite moments, because in stories like this, I love the log that they find the diary or whatever, like with the last page almost unfinished. Drum. And this log is chilling.
0: Drum. She describes three castaways that they found on the surface, a human girl, an Orion, and an unknown humanoid. And the end of the log is basically like, well, if you're hearing this, I'm dead, and you completely fucked up by coming to look after me. Stay away.
1: Don't come to Vallejo Beta 5. A little
2: late for that, isn't
3: it? The story she tells is wild, like the Orion was infected with Gorn eggs and Ate a grenade. Yeah. In engineering. Mm, Hey, uh, Pasco, buddy, (laughs) why don't you take that outside? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No eating grenades in engineering. Couldn't they have like beamed him into outer space? You should not be allowed to pull the pin on an unauthorized grenade (laughs) in a Federation starship, right?
0: I mean, it'd be really impressive to see a grenade just blow the pot away from some (laughs) mashed potatoes. Usually they're not that precise.
3: Yeah, I know. But like really, it's a story for the mind, right? Like you think about this, oof.
0: Yeah. It's scary. And as they make their way through the ship, it's just more bodies, more blood, cargo pods strewn throughout the hallways. Yeah. It's dark. You know, main power is off. No water? This place is a dump. (laughs) Yeah, but wait till you see the pool, Adam. Then they find this unknown humanoid mentioned in the captain's log, and it's a blue bunny.
3: Yeah, he's speaking a kind of hut language that I really enjoyed. (laughs) (laughs) And he's got a cattle prod spear
0: on him, too. He does. So uh, he's a little bit scary in this scene. He'd be right at home at a Klingon's Day of Ascension with that thing. I love how La'an is like, well, Ahura, do that thing you do.
3: Translate universally. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But really, the the universal language of peace is laying down your weapons, right? And this is what Ahura encourages the group to do. And once they do that, they are allowed inside the door this blue hut was protecting. And inside, they find a little girl.
0: Yeah.
2: My name's Newt.
0: I want to just call out the blue bunny rabbit man's face as being just an incredibly impressive puppet. It's really expressive and seemed to have like kind of an amazing amount of articulation for a character that dies in this
3: episode. I felt the same way and not just for this scene, but the scene that comes later. I was very surprised to feel moved by his expressions.
0: Yeah. They did a great job with this guy. Yeah. So this little girl is named Ariana and she named the blue guy Buckley, but nobody understands Buckley. No. There's a scene in the Peregrine Six Bay where Nurse Chapel is kind of poking the Vulcan bear, asking Spock what he's like when he's mad. hmm You know, you wouldn't like him when he's angry. <laughs> it's basically the vibe I'm getting.
3: The reason Spock is there is because Lieutenant Duke took a fall and uh, Spock is there to
0: get some bandages or something. Yeah.
3: Seems like a flimsy excuse to go
0: see what Chapel's up to, Spock. I don't know. The guy burned himself really badly at him. I wouldn't call that a, an excuse. I mean, I, that's a burn
3: in Spock's favor.
0: <laughs> hey, hold on. I'll go to Six Bay. You
3: stay <laughs> right here, Duke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just mad that they split Ortegas and Chapel up. Like, I, I feel like this episode would be so much more interesting if they had some scenes together.
3: Uh, yeah, but that is not a thing that the show is pursuing. So mm. I don't know why they would do that.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It's not, huh? No. Polls on the internet would say otherwise.
3: (laughs) They have a little mini conversation here about getting angry and specifically the utility of anger. Like you can use it to throw a computer across a room Mm -hmm. if you want. Yeah.
0: Make yourself feel better. You can get back into the mood to make a podcast.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's good to get
2: mad sometimes.
3: Chapel sees the utility in it. Spock in this moment does not. Yeah. Before heading out the door.
0: Down in engineering, Hammer and Ahura are going to start working on booting the ship back up. And Ahura's uh, theme in this episode is what is she going to do after Starfleet? And Hammer starts the process of kind of talking to her about why she doesn't necessarily think Starfleet is the uh, end of the road for her. Hammer
3: is kind of magical because he's got that, you know what your problem is energy. <laughs> Without being you-know-what-your-problem-is guy, you know? It's a gift. Yeah. I like him a lot, and I hope he sticks around forever.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've seen lower decks. We know what's possible. (laughs) (laughs) People tend to find their way back around in Starfleet.
3: Yeah, I mean, hopefully Hammer kills his dad and (laughs) returns to life. (laughs) Once you know
0: you can never go back to being the man you were before.
1: Works for me! Tell me! Tell me!
0: Up in six Bay, well, on... I mean, she always plays bad cop. No such thing as a good cop, but uh, she always bad cops. And uh, she's bad copping Ariana
1: right.
0: about, you know, what's going on here? Where did the Gorns go? What's the status? W slash R slash T Gorns. It seems like everybody's dead, so it must be the Gorns. And uh, and you're the only person alive, so you need to tell me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, Mabenga has an uh, interesting slip-up here where... He gets in between Lieutenant Nunyan Singh and uh, refers to Ariana as his daughter.
3: I heard him refer to his daughter as waffles, (laughs) which was a very telling sloop of the tongue.
0: Hmm, Freudian.
3: Mabenga, you got to pack some protein bars or something.
0: Yeah, you're getting hangry. On these
3: away missions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But also like, hey, maybe you could help this girl instead of like making the trauma of this experience even worse for her yeah (laughs) nice suggestion by him
3: yeah but weird because like they both fucked up in different ways in front of this new character true pike tells la'an that the ship is clean and la'an tells pike that the three people that the peregrine picked up were likely refugees from a gorn's breeding planet yeah And uh, it means that there's most likely only one Gorns left because that's how they operate, right? Like a bunch of Gorns can be in a place, but they're always going to be fighting each other for top
0: Gorns. Mm -hmm. It seems like the last season of America's Next Top Gorn has uh, come to a conclusion, but they're casting for the next season by being here.
3: Yeah. Even one Gorns in this situation is extremely dangerous. And this is something that La'an makes Crystal clear. Stay
2: frosty and alert. We can't afford to let one of those bastards in here.
0: As this is clarified, we cut down to Spock, who is by himself in a creepy hallway. I guess he's looking for Lieutenant Duke at this point.
3: I guess. But I, the way I saw this scene is was like he just kind of heard a rustling and went to investigate. Yeah. He can't leave a rustling unchecked.
0: Yeah. That hole that the, the Rustling is coming from has like a stream of blood leading up to it, but it seemed too small for a, a person to go through. This sequence
3: especially really felt like Resident Evil to me. Like when we're just <laughs> following flashlight beams and yeah. it's just trails of blood.
0: Yeah. It's tough. And then weirdly there's a red garnet. <laughs> like why is that a, the... The currency in this game.
3: <laughs> There's like an interstitial scene of a door into another compartment opening.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a bank in six bay. So much of this episode takes place in six bay. It doesn't really feel like a six-bay episode, but it really revolves around that part of the USS Peregrine. This
3: is a redress of all of the entrepreneur sets. Yeah. And yet they feel totally distinct and weird and scary. I mean, and it's not just because of the lighting, like you're Dutch angling all of these compositions and they're just a mess everywhere. Like over on our hit Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation, where we have at this moment in time just recapped Year of Hell. Yeah. And one of the qualities to those episodes was just how fucking messed up all the sets got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when yeah. I watched this episode, I couldn't help but feel the same. Like the episode before this, they dressed everything in trees. Yeah. And like made things look like castles and whatnot. And this is And they didn't leave any of that stuff up. It's a different kind of mess, but it's yeah. no less challenging.
0: Also challenging is the selling of a puppet character like this blue guy yeah buckley and this is an amazing performance by a puppet because buckley is sick they you know find like goo and swollen veins under buckley's clothing and
3: hey this would be a good category for the larkin awards for strange new world's best performance by a puppet (laughs) yeah and a guest role
0: Yeah, it's wheezing. It's really bad. And Ariana is watching all this and knows what to do. But uh, Cadet Chia is not clued in. And Ariana doesn't like tap her on the shoulder and say like, hey, you might want to like curl up in a corner and cover your mouth to muffle the (laughs) screams.
3: No, instead, she newts and goes around a corner to wait for what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Speaking of newt, this scene with Nurse Chapel, like, Hiding just felt straight out of aliens, yeah. Because this guy has Gorn babies inside of him and they burst out. Hello, my baby, etc. etc.
3: I like how they pop out in both directions,
0: yeah. Two of them that come out at the same time like immediately turn on each other, too. Which is yeah. like, I mean, like, this is obviously homage slash <laughs> you know warmed-over alien stuff, but uh, the idea that two aliens could come out of you and then fight each other is a creepy twist on an old classic.
3: Yeah, I love this. Check, please.
0: Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in below the kilt care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, It works great. Uh, Trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with Their new Signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscapes.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to FactorMeals.com/trek50 and use code Trek50 to get 50% off. That's code Trek50 at FactorMeals.com/trek50 to
2: get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the
0: word secretly in your podcast app.
2: And at MaximumFun.org. What? What? What?
0: Sounds like nonsense. What is going on?
3: Speaking of credible puppets... Like this sequence here where they fight each other looks plausible.
0: Yeah. I think it's a mixture of practical puppets and CG and it's really well done.
3: Yeah. It cuts together great.
0: Nurse Chapel is up on a bio bed and makes like a force field around her to protect herself. It is fucking terrifying.
3: This is a visual language of lady afraid of mouse though. Yeah. In a way that I didn't love. Well. I mean I'm I'm as horrified and as scared as Chapel is, but I wish there was a way to depict that that wasn't exactly that.
0: Quite so Victorian. Yeah, yeah. I think I would be up on that bio bed. Sure. And we know Nurse Chapel's a badass. We saw what she did to all those pirates. I mean she is a badass, but
3: this is a threat that diminishes her, I think, in a big yeah. way.
0: You can't hypospray a Gorn baby.
3: You really can't. I'd love to see her try but I don't think it's going to break that way.
0: Mm -hmm. Spaffle would never happen for you if she tried, Adam. Yeah. So uh, we see in the uh, angled Jeffries tube, Lieutenant Duke get his bad burn treated by Spock. It wasn't just an excuse, Adam. He really was burned. He almost lost the arm.
3: Yeah, but I mean, anyone could have gone to the Six Bay for those supplies. I think uh, Spock was... Overly enthusiastic about going.
0: I don't think anybody else was with him. He almost lost his damn arm, Adam. He couldn't move. Well, he's going to wish all
3: he lost was his arm because this is the scene where a Gorns grabs
0: Duke. We get the POV.
3: Yeah. And he gets dragged away Mm -hmm. in a terrifying moment. Duke would trade the arm in this scene,
0: right? Like, just take the arm and leave me. That day, Lieutenant Duke's gold shirt was turned. Red.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Ooh.
3: You know whose uniform I really wanted to see Red at the end of the episode was Chapel's whites. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't happen.
0: No. Yeah, she 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 maintains her cleanliness throughout. Yeah. There is a very scary scene where she like cuts the force field and then gets back off the biobed. Yeah. And is like not sure where the Gorn Babies went, Mm -hmm. and she's alone. She's again alone in a dangerous starship. She keeps finding herself in this predicament.
3: Right. La'an finds her before too long and gives Chapel a weapon before they go off to find the girl. Watch the ceilings shoot
2: anything that moves. I can handle myself. Yeah, I noticed.
0: One thing I wanted La'an to say is like, why didn't you radio us when the Gorn Babies came out to this man? Yeah. Somebody should have radioed. Like, everybody else has been walking around the ship with their dick in their hand, unawares that there's Gorn babies running around now.
3: La'an is a huge badass with experience against the Gorns. And from here on out, I was irritated at how little she was willing to divulge about the details that she knew would be useful to everyone, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It feels like she's like withholding for dramatic tension and not because of anything else.
3: Right. The big takeaway from this scene when they find Ariana is that, you know, smart girl, clever girl. She seeked out the coldest compartment on the ship because she knows that Gorns hate the cold. Yeah. They're sort of anti-hemmers that way.
0: True. So there's three Gorn babies running around. They need to get the fuck out of here. But, you know, who knows how they're going to find them or what they're going to do. This is a great moment to turn all the power on. And uh, that's what Hemra and Ahura do. Yeah. Let's warm this place up. Let's get the let's get the heaters going.
1: Team Hemora strikes again, huh?
3: But you know how it is when you, you turn on your heating system for the first time that season and it kind of burns off all the dust. There's yeah. kind of a, a smell to it if you haven't run your HVAC in a while.
0: Very specific smell to that.
3: Yeah. What Hemra smells here is the smell of human blood on the radiator. <laughs> and it's a pretty bad sign I love a reference to smell though because we never get that in science fiction in the way that I feel like would be real satisfying and and really like complete the scene and how it feels to be there
0: if you and I ever ran a writer's room for the Star Trek industrial complex up on the big cork board there would be a sign that says what does it smell like
3: yeah what's that smell (laughs) for sure Sam Kirk is falling apart in Six Bay and Spock, Pike, and Mabenga are like, what are we gonna do about this guy? (laughs) He (laughs) he may in fact be a liability. I could give him a sedative.
0: He is really losing his cool.
3: Pike's like, you know what'll make him feel better? One of my famous speeches. (laughs) (laughs) But he doesn't get on the one MC to do a speech. Instead, he's on the radio recalling everyone to Six Bay. But here's the thing, like, if I'm elsewhere on the ship, and I hear my captain's voice telling me to go to a place, I would like the full picture. I would like yeah. to know if there are Gorns out there. But he doesn't say that.
0: Yeah, l- let me know like what I might encounter along the way to Six Bay. Check my six? Insufficient, pipe. <laughs> I'm always checking my six. And if any goo gets spat on your neck, wipe it off before you come to Six Bay.
3: Right. I mean, before... Hammer or Ahura can even, like, they didn't even get to the end of, of Pike's appeal on the radio before this, this Gorns drops in and, like, crushes a baby Gorns like a fucking cigarette butt. <laughs> <laughs> and then rockets some hot venom at Hammer's neck.
0: So was that the Gorns that was born before and this is one of the babies that came out of the blue guy? Or is one of the babies that came out of the blue guy gotten big?
3: This is the OG, I feel like, the original Gorns that was on the ship uh, back when they thought there was one. Right. Predates the baby Gorns that were born and now he's off establishing superiority over the baby Gorns.
0: It's interesting. Gorns are one of the few examples in nature that one is not none. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I really want a Gorns hard drive.
0: Yeah, that'd be great.
3: Make me feel better about my information security.
0: Yeah, then you can toss it across the room all you want.
3: Yeah. Don't touch my hard drive. It'll spit venom at you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In Six Bay, they're talking about how they were not able to detect these Gorns. They're genetic chameleons. They uh, don't show up on sensors. I mean, they're very clever.
1: Yeah.
3: The eggs hatch at different intervals depending on the host that they're inside.
0: Yeah. And that stuff that they spit, it burns. Right. It burns real bad.
3: Hemmer can't use his psionics against these guys either, which is another important detail here. Like none of their ideas will work against them.
0: This is just more confirmation that Sam Kirk needs to completely fly off at the handle and act like Bones McCoy. Right, He like really flips out on Spock, like, you're not sad enough that Lieutenant Duke died in front of you. Spock is like, maybe if he was a gangly glasses man, I would feel worse about it. Sam
3: Kirk exists outside of rank in a useful way for a scene like this, you know? Yeah. I think ordinarily, he wouldn't just be told to shut the fuck up. He would be
0: like- <laughs> <laughs> Like lashed to the mask yeah and and whipped for his insubordination yeah but they can't really treat him like that he's doing that shit in front of the captain
3: why he kind of burns himself out too like tirade done let's get (laughs) back to the status report yeah and the status is i mean everything on the ship is just about buttoned up they just need to kill these gorns before they can leave
0: there's two left they're not working together that's one thing that Nguyen Singh is very emphatic about. They're going to be trying to figure out who is the dominant Gorn and they also hate the cold so that's enough to come up with a trap and I <laughs> I did have one problem with this seed was that she's like they're super duper intelligent even at this age also they run away from the cold and they're going to fight each other and I'm like uh, it sounds like they're mostly instinct based <laughs> right? <laughs> based on those two other things it yeah. <laughs> doesn't seem like they're really galaxy-braining, like, hey, if we just work together, these guys are done. I mean, but that's
3: the downside to a hypothesis based on incomplete information, right? Like, they only know what they know. Yeah. And they can only take action based on what they know. True. This is the only idea they've got.
0: So they're going to chill the ship down and force the Gorns into kind of a pathway and set a trap. And so there's kind of a montage of the different teams as they work toward this goal.
3: Right. On the bridge, Pike and Mabanga and Ariana arrive. And this is a scene where Pike transfers all the controls to this part of the ship. And Pike's code is made to sound idiotic, according <laughs> to Mabanga. But my theory presupposes that in Star Trek, there's like six-factor authentication and the number is probably the fucking like the least yeah concerning like i would want an easy to remember number in an instance like this because you're pulling my fingerprints and my iris and my voice and everything else
0: yeah you're sending a text to my communicator and you have to put that number in also
3: yeah i'm not gonna need a number i can't remember
0: that's like 40 characters long with symbols and shit That's good for Lieutenant Commander Data, but most of us are just human. Yeah.
3: Anyway, Pike, I like this code. I hope you keep it.
0: Yeah. Good code. Solid code. (laughs) I don't forget how the code
3: goes. (laughs) (laughs) Two, four, six, eight, ten.
0: Yeah. Good. Done. Not bad for it. Human. Yeah. So everybody's kind of like talking through the themes of their episode as they work through this. I love that uh, Noon-Yan sings like, basically thrilled that this is what they're doing she's like
2: trust me there's nothing i'd rather be doing right now than fighting back against the goal
1: i live for this shit
3: i really love the restraint of this episode as it pertains to the cadets last ride with the entrepreneur crew right like you never get a hurrah going like god My last mission. (laughs) I got to go out like this. Yeah. Like, there's no Danny Glovering of I'm too old for this shit, or like it's the day before retirement, or any of the other like tropes that you get a bunch.
0: There's no clerks. I wasn't even supposed to be here today.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I like that. I do too. And Ahura is kind of the bait in this plan. She's going to be the one that attracts the Gorns. We get some more puppetry here and the adolescent Gorn puppet really reminded me of a gremlin. I really got those vibes too. Yeah. It's like a combination between like an alien xenomorph, a gremlin and a predator (laughs) because it's got predator cam. It moves around kind of like a cricket
3: too, like with its shoulder blades and rear legs. It's an interesting combination
0: of all those things. It really is. And the way they attract the Gorns is always by attacking them. They're attracted to aggression. So she's able to get it chasing her. They chill out the transporter bay and slam the door. And uh, that means that it's now going to go through some Jeffrey's tubes and Spock is next up for drawing it out. But Spock has gone to great lengths to suppress his emotions. So yeah. Aggression is not a, a pheromone he's naturally admitting.
3: Not a great person to delegate to this task,
0: guys. <laughs> yeah, maybe put somebody else on this one. Yeah. I mean, it seems like Sam Kirk, full of aggression, and all he got to do was slam a door. Spock would be great at slamming a door.
3: You know, what's interesting about that is that Sam Kirk talked his way off of an important part of this plan yeah. by being the way he is.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. With those things running around, you would count me out.
3: So by process of elimination, it had to be Spock.
0: But that does give Spock plenty of reason to be miffed at, at Sam yeah. for putting him in this position, because what Spock does is kind of a prayer to take all of the rage out of his intellectual brain and put it into his heart. And uh, boy, does it flow forth.
3: I don't need to do this. It just happens. (laughs) And he starts like stabbing at the hole with his spear. And uh, he really rages out on this thing.
0: It's really intense. He rages out so much that both Gorns start coming into the space and Sam Kirk barely able to rescue Spock. When one of them is grabbing for him. And it's one of those like Spock hasn't like completely chilled out yet. Yeah like a police dog on a on a package. He's like completely going ape and until Sam is like, come on, man, it's me, it's me. I'm not sure Sam Kirk saying it's me is as useful as he thinks it is. <laughs> not exculpatory. <laughs> in, in a scene that
3: follows the one where Sam was a total dick to Spock. <laughs> you could forgive Spock for wringing his neck yeah. and blaming it on yeah. what he did to pound that hoe. No.
0: yeah seriously he
3: really gives that whole a pounding doesn't he
0: he does <laughs> it's no wonder to forgave him yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> so the group listens to the duke gorns fight each other to the death and now there's just one left ben yeah king gorns
0: yeah they beat each other up behind the door and now lon volunteers to be the final bait and uh hey You thought Spock had rage issues. Yeah. You ain't seen nothing.
1: Get away from her, you bitch!
0: It's kind of like a relay
3: race of a mission, isn't it? Everyone has these separate parts of it. Yeah. La'an's part is a run for the cargo bay where she seals herself into one of those boxes we've been seeing over the last few episodes. Mm -hmm. Big enough for kids, big enough for (laughs) La'an.
0: They're great big cargo boxes. Yeah, she slams the door, and it's a clear window on it. And uh, Hemmer is able to fire up an iPad that triggers a downward-facing ice jet. Yeah, that <laughs> kind of just shoots right down on top of this Gorn and makes a a, a Gornicle of it.
3: Yeah, and then when Laan pops out of her box, she just smashes this thing like a frozen pinata. <laughs>
0: Why was it all yellow inside?
3: Because that was the
0: Gorn's blood. The Gorn's blood is yellow? You don't want to eat that yellow Gorn snow. No, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> it's probably going to impregnate you with Gorns.
3: Really do not want that.
0: Hey, so it's a happy ending. Everybody's super happy and excited and just backslaps all around. It's dead, Chris. Sounds
3: a lot like a fun variation of he's dead, Jim, huh? It does. I like that moment.
0: But when Hammer comes out of his box, it's not good. Not a good situation.
3: Does Laon know this is Hammer's fate? Did she know all along? This is my question in this scene because I didn't think that was especially clear, but I couldn't rule it out either. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's actually, I didn't even consider it, but she may have done the math on it because yeah. she has this experience. I mean, it's a little bit fucked up that she didn't tell anybody if she knew.
3: That would make her the bad guy in every zombie film. Right. In an interesting way.
0: Yeah. But uh, yeah, Hemmer is real fucked up. And uh, he's like, hey, so I'm going to go meet my maker. I've been talking a whole whole episode about how you like when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. And that means you've done the thing that you came to do. So I'm going to go jump off a cliff. But before I do that, I'm going to give some parting words to Ahura, which is like make friends and like don't fight your instinct to connect with people because even though you know friends and and lovers will hurt you the rewards far outstrip the benefits
3: with the power back on the ship hammer hits play on the everybody's free to wear sunscreen graduation song <laughs> and starts in on a couple of lyrics that he feels like will be very useful for Ohura. yeah on his way out the cargo bay
2: indeed i want to leave you with one last piece of advice Open yourself, make a home for yourself amongst others, and you will find joy more often than sadness.
1: Wear sunscreen.
3: Before he walks out there, he does ask the group, does anyone have like a spare transport buffer? (laughs) Maybe they could keep my body in uh, until we're just absolutely sure I'm dead meat.
0: Mabenga, for example, do you have one of those like that recently got freed up?
3: The camera rests on Mabanga and he's just eating waffles, not listening at all.
0: (laughs) He's rereading a copy of uh, the Elysian sword fight or whatever. I don't know what I'm saying.
3: I love that Hammer gets the wide shot. Like we're close in on him as he steps out into the cold, but we're wide on the inside of the ship. And then we're wide when we cut to the exterior in... The death language of Star Trek when he jumps.
0: It's a tough scene. I thought it was interesting that they cut before he fell out of frame. Yeah. It feels incomplete somehow that he doesn't fall out of the frame.
3: Yeah? You wanted to watch him hit the ground? I didn't want to watch him hit the ground, but it's such a wide shot and the, yeah. the
0: ground is way below where the frame is and yeah. you don't see it for very long. I don't know. It's a tough scene. It's very like, it's also very submarine film because, you Mm -hmm. know, there's a bulkhead that's closed and people looking through the glass on the other side, weeping. It's very sad. You know, we barely knew Hemdog and yet this was totally affecting to me. I was like totally teared up watching him go.
3: I was too. But do you think the episode worked hard enough to make the case that his death was imminent and the hatch was imminent? Because for this scene to work, I think you've got to, be- like, I thought a lot about the scene in the Aliens movie where Ripley jumps into the lava, you know, as the baby's coming out of her. Right. She waits until the last possible moment to make this decision. Hammer, it appears, goes a lot sooner than that. I don't know. Like, I'm kind of split on how I feel about it because he he makes his decision and it happens so fast that... It is suggested that his death is imminent, but I wasn't sure if I believed it.
0: Yeah, I feel like I believed it more the second watch through. Like the first time I was like, what are you doing, man? Like they can yeah. for sure help you. And the second time through it, like the things that they were suggesting felt like they were less certain about yeah, them. right. You know, like the doctor is saying like, we can figure out a way to stop the growth maybe or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why that worked better the second time, but it did for me.
3: Yeah. So up in space, we cut to the two ships. Yeah. And, uh, boy, the Peregrine has got that wall-eyed nacelle look. Yeah. You don't see a lot in Star Trek as a demonstration of damage. You know,
0: I liked it. Like bent nacelle strut is a (laughs) intense look and, uh, it's getting towed home by the entrepreneur and in the observation lounge, we get a, uh, Funeral scene, and it's uh, maybe mirroring a little bit the party at the beginning of the episode. It's a funeral that is, you know, like, hey, we're doing kind of a group funeral for all three of the people that died, but uh, only one of them is going to get any eulogies.
3: That would, I mean, I'll be dead, so I won't give a shit, but <laughs> <laughs> that would be hurtful to me if I had to share the spotlight.
0: At Ben and Adam's joint funeral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It just fits about me. <laughs> yeah.
3: That would be the final indignity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't been to a lot of funerals. Lucky. But the eulogies that really affect me are the ones like Ortegas is doing here, like where you get to know the deceased in an interesting way, and you also get to understand the eulogizer. In a way that relates to that person. Yeah, and I thought Ortega's did a great job here.
0: Ortega's did a great job. Ahura did a great job. I mean, Ahura's speech uh, about Hemmer having been sent there to fix people, and mm-hmm. I mean, maybe Hemmer should have pursued a career as a ship's counselor, not a not as an engineer, because it seems like he more more fixed Ahura than anyone else.
3: It's wild. Like in Hemmer's absence, I appreciate him more for Ahura's eulogy here. Like yeah. his almost monastic dedication to his cause. Yeah. Like that is when stated, it feels very generalized, but when experienced is just really powerful.
0: Totally. Not covered in blood, but also not wearing black for the funeral is Nurse Chapel. She's on all white, very disrespectful.
3: Yeah. Can't do that, Nurse Chapel.
0: It's like wearing a white dress to a wedding that isn't yours, you know?
3: She's definitely going to do that at Spock's wedding, right? (laughs) Supreme's going to be so fucking pissed.
0: (laughs) Nurse Chapel's going to wear a white dress and a bra with 400 clasps. How
3: do you get the wedding ring on the hand doing the Vulcan salute? You really got to ram that thing down there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Spock, she notices, is clenching his fist. He's white-knuckling it through this funeral. And he stomps out into the hallway and starts punching walls. Classic toxic masculinity that, for some reason, Nurse Chapel is drawn to.
3: I mean, if there was a computer, he'd be throwing it. (laughs) (laughs) He's really falling apart. Yeah. And Chapel is there to put the pieces back together. I really love the shot sequence here, Ben. Like down on his fist shooting up and then shot reverse shot of Spock and Chapel like the the coverage of the realization of what's happening here mm-hmm. i thought was really elegantly done
0: spock is really pissed about having had to let his rage come up to the surface and nurse chapel is trying to be a good friend to him trying to talk him off that emotional cliff and also trying to Do the, like, it's okay to not be okay thing. Mm -hmm. Like, that's part of being human.
3: Yeah, she tries to marin him the way you (laughs) marroned me (laughs) at the top of the show. Uh huh. Great friend. That's chapel. But there's that moment after this hug, Ben. I think all hugs can go in a direction at their conclusion. And there's a moment after this hug where it could go in a different direction than where it does. But that's the moment where Spock turns away.
0: Yeah. And then she has like a little notebook in her hand and she crosses his name off. And then the next one on the list is Ortegas. <laughs> it's not happening, man. So that was, that was kind of interesting, I thought.
3: <laughs> Here's a question. When Spock was on the ship summoning his anger, was it only anger that he summoned or was it the full spectrum of emotions that he sent out of his brains? Mm. Because I think it's very interesting to think about which direction the show goes in the next episode with him. Like, did he just bring them all or is it just the bad stuff? Yeah. Because he needs a hole to take it out on Ben.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going to go back to his quarters and get out his uh, to pring shaped flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you know, sometimes fiancés will make those things for each other.
3: I think after you've been to praying, that shit hits different.
0: yeah it's like himself shaped fleshlight yeah but he didn't think to enjoy it when he was to bring
3: yeah yeah he got too busy back in pike's quarters Laan has found a lead on ariana's family and her intention is to reunite them but pike's like what are the chances of that (laughs) And La'an's like, well, actually, I'm going to try anyway. And I'm going to ask for a leave of absence to do it.
0: Yeah, she's like going to go rouge to make this happen.
3: This is another scene where Pike's just the best boss ever. And he extends the same courtesy toward La'an that he gives to Ahura. He's like, look, do what you need to do. You can always come back. Yeah. I'm not going to give your job away. Have you seen Ahura fire phasers and torpedoes? Like... (laughs) You're kind of the best at that. She is whack at aiming. (laughs) So, When La'an says goodbye, is this really goodbye? Because they really linger a long time in this moment.
0: I take the show at its word that it's goodbye. (laughs) Yeah. Or goodbye for now. I don't know. guess so. I mean, I'm guessing that we either are saying goodbye to her for a while or the next episode will be a, we were taking everybody home and then this crazy shit happened kind of episode. Yeah. Which, you know, either one would feel like it honors her arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the last shot of the episode is Ahura just kind of uh, standing on the bridge. It seems like maybe making peace with her place here as a uh, member of the Enterprise crew.
3: Yeah, she looks over at the station, which will be her career prison for the rest of her life. <laughs> and the ending is triumphant for some reason.
0: Yeah, for some reason, this moment that is, in many ways, the end of her career, right here, right now. There will always be a place on Enterprise for Neoto Uhura. This isn't good at all. It's like this and then a brief stint in a transporter room on Earth before she steals the Enterprise. And then goes right back to that seat.
3: The one moment you dance around with a bunch of feathers and this. (laughs) That's what you got. Yeah. Wow. Did you like this episode, Adam? I really did, and not just because I like an aliens story, but because of its fresh energy that it brought to the thing. Look, like aliens doesn't own the market on this creature design. And much like most planetary bodies being icy, like statistically, I kind of wonder why there aren't more creatures that operate in the same way. Like the wasp that lays its eggs in other insects, you know? Like this is a
0: type of beast. I learned today that every fig you've ever eaten has a wasp in it. Whoa. Like when a fig is like flowering, a wasp crawls into the flower and then the flower turns into the fruit by like consuming the wasp.
3: Fuck figs. I'm never (laughs) eating a fig again. You've ruined figs for me. They're the xenomorph egg of fruits. (laughs) I I wish I didn't know that. (laughs) So I really love that the show was brave enough to go directly at something that I think could be accused of being derivative or stolen Mm. or whatever, because I don't think that at all. Like, I mean- Laser guns don't belong to one brand of sci-fi and ships that fly in space don't belong to another. And I mean, the aliens franchise certainly isn't interested in continuing in any demonstrable way. Like, look, I'm honestly, I'm surprised Star Trek took so long to get here. Yeah. And now that it's gotten here, I'm glad that it's done it this way. I think it is a fresh take on this quality of aliens and- having seen it, it feels kind of obvious. Like, yeah, of course. Why haven't we run into this before? So I give this episode and this series a lot of respect for going there. And I think it's one of the reasons why I like the episode. I think the qualities of the Gorns are distinct enough where uh, it does not bump me at all. What about you?
0: I think I'm with you. Yeah, I definitely had that question in my head the entire time. Like how much does it annoy me or not that this is... Uh, Right on the edge between homage and ripoff of Alien. And I think that where I fell is that it is homage when it is homage and it's new and interesting twist when it isn't. Right. And it's really Alien through a Star Trek lens rather than Alien through a, you know, like the... Alien universe is a like hyper capitalist, craven, awful universe. And so that has implications for how alien stories play out. I think you're exactly
3: right about that. Like the absence of a Burke figure here is what makes this more distinct. Right. Like This is from a purely like Xeno anthropomorphic perspective. And you know
0: that there's no Burke figure because they're eating bacon right at the beginning.
3: Yeah. (laughs) That's how you disinvite Burke to your brunch. Right there when bacon 's on the menu,
0: <laughs> so without the offensive Jewish stereotype character, uh-huh. this is a much more palatable <laughs> uh, no, but i think I think that uh it it does bring its own unique flavor to it, and I was really amazed at this show 's ability to say goodbye to a character that I feel this new about, but also I feel like I'm going to really miss because uh. I feel like we, we were just starting to get to know Hammer in a way that I was excited to learn more and yeah. to have a character taken away in a moment like that feels like a really brave choice on the show's behalf.
3: Maybe one day we will return to Vallejo Beta 5 hmm. and visit our old friend yeah, whose body is in the ice <laughs> preserved.
0: There's a lot of hard hitters in the Bayo. There's a lot of hard hitters in Vallejo.
3: Hmm. Indeed. Uh, Let's see how hard the Priority One messages hit this time around, Ben. (laughs) Okay. Take him to the dome.
2: Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel.
3: Ben, our first Priority One message is from JerBear. It is to my brother, uncle to the boy. All right. Message received, but I fear that I've been kerned after binging all the new Trek everywhere and watching DS9 in parallel. If you hadn't got me into TNG as a kid, we wouldn't be spending scarves on P1s now. Hot take? Admiral Double Flasks to hide the double finger guns would have won the Dominion War faster than Admiral Beltbuckle. Kevin would agree. Wow. Ooh. I mean... I never cared for Admiral Beltbuckle. Belt buckle, bro! And I don't think jer is wrong. If we're going to stack rank the Admirals, you think Necheyev would have let that shit slide? I think it's probably mm. Necheyev 1. It's
1: Admiral Latria. Are those Valerian canopies? Admiral Nachev. Uh, canopies my ass. That's a and chopped liver.
3: <laughs> Admiral Double Flasks 2, yeah. Admiral Beltbuckle 3. Mm-hmm. And my Mount Admiral Moore
0: Yeah, I think Nicheev wins every time. Yeah, against any of them. But um, I think Admiral Belt Buckles uh, is in last place in all cases. And for uh, Admiral Beltbuckle I don't think we need any further discussion. I think you're right, Bear. Yeah, Adam. Our next priority one message is from Your Frog Prince. It's to Adam and Ben, and it goes like this:
1: God damn it! Fuck!
3: That would be fun if that were just it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> A last-minute business trip caused me to miss the double dumbass tour in Seattle. I'm sure you were wondering who was supposed to be in that empty seat. Well, I was there in spirit. Love you guys. See you next time. Ben Meltdown Drop. <laughs> fuck! Ah, fuck! Ben. Give it to you. He give it to you. Ben. Give it to you. He give it to wow. Wow, you know, I actually spotted a tweet from Your Frog Prince that they got tickets to the Double Dumbass Streaming Spectacular.
3: Excellent.
0: Right before we hopped on the mic. So I think uh, Your Frog Prince is going to play a makeup game. A lot of those old Seattle theaters are
3: purportedly haunted. So hmm. I didn't necessarily think that was Your Frog Prince yeah. floating around. But uh, right could have been.
0: Could have been just a your frog ghost. Yeah. Well, if you'd like to get a priority one message on the show, you can do it at any time by going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself an Edward Larkin?
1: I'm going
0: to give it to Chapel. You Got a radio up when baby gorns start bursting out of chests. Yeah. Everybody needs to be made aware of the situation and there's just no excuse for not having your communicator on you at all times in an away mission like this. If you see Gorns, you need to say Gorns for sure.
3: (laughs) I think this was emblematic of how scared she was. Yeah. I mean, Pike lost the thread too. He should have put it on the one MC. Yeah.
0: He should have put it on the glass.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. My Edward Larkin is Mabanga, the waffle king of the entrepreneur. (laughs) When you call back the waffles. Yeah. Uh, that was a really nice flourish there yeah a very tiny bit of character development for mabenga that i really enjoyed
0: mabenga didn't have a you know he's probably like sixth on the call sheet this episode if that but he really like hit hard in every scene he had i thought quippy as hell he was the quip king this episode for sure he really was if they named episodes the way we name episodes he would have gotten the title
3: for sure yeah
0: yeah Well, I am excited for the season finale of season one and I hope we have some information for the folks about it in the credits for this episode, but you'll have to wait and listen for that. Uh, In the meantime, take it away, Wendy.
2: The Greatest Discovery is an expert Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica and it's produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. We've got one more episode of Strange New Worlds to cover. The season one finale is called A Quality of Mercy. Just as Captain Pike thinks he's figured out how to escape his fate, a visit from the future shows him the consequences of his actions. Each week we want to say thank you to Adam Ragusa, who composed all of the original music for this show. We recommend that you check out both his podcast and his YouTube cooking channel. And thank you to Bill Tilly. He keeps things fun on social media for Uxbridge Shimoda. Make sure you're following at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter and use hashtag Greatest to talk about the show online. If you're listening the week this episode comes out, we are planning a QA and a for after Strange New Worlds wraps up and we'd love to get a question from you. Send in your question for Ben and Adam to answer by way of a five star review on Apple Podcasts. If you're interested in supporting The Greatest Discovery? We really appreciate that. You can become a member and get access to all the great Max Fun bonus content over at maximumfun.org/join. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more of The Greatest Discovery. maximumfun.org